What's up, everyone? Thank you for joining for this episode with my friend Cameron Dower. Cameron is someone I met on Twitter, one of the first people I actually met uh, on Twitter as I was going on the platform more and more, and I've been using it so much for threads, stories, interacting with people, connections, content, etc. But Cam is a genius. I mean, from the start, content strategist, his ideas, his direction with content is so pristine, it's so spot on. Uh, makes sense too because from nine years old up until 20 he had five businesses um, in 2020 alone he started his first social media content agency um, and has been doing well with it truly has and is now a project manager at fanbytes but nonetheless whether working together knowing him connecting with him seeing him on twitter on clubhouse all these different platforms and now having a great conversation with him he knows his stuff and he has great insights so this is a conversation you'll want to listen to if you're interested in these topics. Let's do it. I have a dream. That's one small step for man. I am the greatest. You want something? Go get it. Period. Yeah, man, it's it's nice to finally get you on here. It's been a little bit and uh i've gotten to know you just immensely over the the short time that we connected on twitter but uh you got a lot you're one of the best people i know in your space but also just a good person man so i'm happy you're here thank you thank you i really appreciate that thank you for what you're saying yeah of course so where are you uh geographically just so people know so i'm in the uk i'm in a city called sheffield right now um i'm at university here uh, I'm originally from a town called York in the UK, which is a little bit more famous, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But when looking at your story, I didn't, or I should say like experience, I didn't know you were in e-commerce for uh, a little while, e-commerce and drop shipping until you got into strategy. I was indeed. Uh, yeah. And that was kind of the first few businesses I did. Um, it was, drop shipping was really popular, like 16 and 17. It was, people were starting to pull in millions of views on YouTube. And I was like, fuck, I can do this. Uh, long story short, I can't do that. Um, I'm not very good at drop shipping. I didn't like it, <laughs> and I wasted yeah, some money. Yeah. But it was a great learning curve, and I'm glad I went in that space first. Definitely. What What did you learn from it specifically? So much, but really like fundamental things that we, me, and you would look at now and see as really, really basic errors, such as just constant communication, um, actually managing a social profile so it doesn't look like really unprofessional um ad design or any sort of graphic design that doesn't look like it was done on paint you know but mm -hmm. back then i was just starting I, I didn't know what tools people used i didn't know how business was essentially done the only experience i had was selling stuff at school so you've got to fail and that's how that's how yeah. it works yeah exactly have you always been into selling stuff when you were younger like that entrepreneurial <laughs> spirit or or no <laughs> yeah 100 percent. Uh, my first business i was nine years old um my best friend and I made our own card game and we laminated it and sold it on the playground. And that, that's a really cool story. I actually, uh, um, so I was supposed to be on a, on a job this year at uni, but I postponed it to study it to further my business instead and go back next year with online teaching. It made sense. But the, the job that I had for that, the business that I was supposed to be working with, I told that story in the interview and I thought it would have just been funny. We got like a couple laughs out of it. Cause like, I haven't done many job interviews. I've done like two or three or something um and then they was like oh that's actually a really interesting story and until that point i'd never realized that 
it's actually a pretty interesting story is that you start mm -hmm. a business at nine years old. It kind of seemed just a little bit of fun at, at first. Like, I don't know, when, when, when we made it, because I can still remember it really well, when we made it, there was no intent behind money. We, it was never about making money. It was just about this could be something fun to do on our Saturdays, you know? Um, mm. And that's really gone for a lot of my business. Um, a lot of the time it's not about money. And in the times that it is about money, it's so I could do some good with it. Um, like I've had businesses where I've done like charitable aspects and things where 10% of what I get goes back to charity, like Greenpeace or like, um, I don't know, Kids Cancer Ward and things. Um, and they're, they're always good to do. They, they feel really good because even when you make a sale, you know you're like making a positive difference. Um, so yeah, when it is about the money, I like to think there's always some good behind it. Yeah, yeah. That's like the Tom's model where you like uh... – every every sale goes to proceeds go to or portion of it goes to charity but uh i've definitely i think that's a, a really important theme though is like there has to be meaning behind it and more than just money to sustain over a long period of time and i and i love because i resonate too because i i had a my friend and i made a comic book when we were in fourth grade and i was just telling this to uh danny miranda i had danny miranda on the podcast hey. um but I was telling him, like, I, I haven't connected until recently, but I, with along with my friend, he did illustration. I did uh, editorial, like, writing work for the comic book, but we sold it or we pitched it to my school principal and we wanted to sell it at our school stand. But it flopped, but, like, the intention behind it was always there. And I always think something Danny talked about and something I believe in is, like, looking back, you look at what you enjoyed doing when you were younger and usually you just try not to lose that inner kid as you go, get older. So it seems as though you're like on that wavelength as well. Oh, hundred percent. Um, you should always have some child childishness about you. That immaturity is in some ways a talent that most people lose. Um, I don't know. So I'm, I'm speaking from the perspective of someone who's young and worked predominantly with older people and like the way they think and the way they approach problems and the creativity that they have. Um, since uh, let's say I'm 10 years younger than some of these people, people my immaturity levels are obviously going to be so much higher because they've done like the shit with kids and mortgage and like they're actual adults i, I still don't really know what i'm doing <laughs> so but when it comes to uh, approaching problems i always think that if you have a really immature mindset you have like that natural childish wonder the curiosity mm -hmm. the sort of intrigue we develop when we're younger which leads to imagination and creative thinking um, but as you get older that really seems to be lost on people so Sometimes when I'm trying to think of ideas, I don't. I try to tap into that childish curiosity to help find my ideas. Because although the idea itself is likely to be relatively impractical or expensive or not well thought through, the initial thought is fine. You can then reverse engineer backwards from there and go, okay, look, we've had this childish idea. It does solve a problem. Yet yeah, it's a bit ridiculous, but how can we turn ridiculous into plausible? And I don't know. That's that's mm. how I would approach problems, and I've noticed that older people don't tend to have that same thought process. Yeah, I love that. Even uh, I mean, everything derives from like a an imaginative imaginative state or like a dream state, and then mm. like it becomes a thought, and then you go from there. I mean, if you really wanted to get psychological, you can talk about Carl Jung with that. But uh, yeah, it's so true. And and one thing I would love to ask you to get into the entry point of like content strategy is um like how you formulate ideas, how you come up with those ideas, because you did touch on it just before with having that childlike state, but like pragmatically, because if people were to go on your Instagram feed, it'll be linked in the description for this recording. But uh, 
you have a lot of value to bring out with doing stuff like that, but I would love for you to talk on it. Um, ideation is something I think a lot of people don't take seriously enough. Um, when I come up with ideas and when I make ideas for both me and my clients, um, I actually do almost, almost no writing. I do almost no drawing. Like everyone's got their own thought process, right? So some people work really visually. They'll draw things on whiteboards and models. Some people just write until it makes sense. For me, I just think. So I will like walk up and down my room and just paste things and then note something on a whiteboard and then leave it. But I will, let's say I do an hour of that for like three days. Over those three days, I will formulate a, a cool idea or a cool concept that I can, once you're past that initial hurdle of the idea, you can then look at it objectively and strategically and go, how can we make this possible? Um, mm. So my content strategy, the ideas behind it often take a few days to come, but they're done in really short bursts. The only way to make it then sustainable to keep producing these ideas and keep coming up with ideas is to just work ahead, work a week in advance. That's really yeah, right. Yeah. I, I remember in, in our clubhouse room, you talked about having that cue behind you, that backlog is important. But uh, mm -hmm. I definitely agree with when it, when it rains, it pours in terms of uh, when it, the ideas come. So you really got it. It can be late at night, it can be early in the morning, but when it comes, you got to like jot them down. Oh, 100%. Because yeah, you will never remember that idea. You will think you will remember it. 40 minutes, half an hour, five minutes, you'll have forgotten it. So. <laughs> I don't know, my notes on my phone are just full of just random shit that came into my mind at like 3 a.m. I've just woken up from sleep and gone, that's good, that's good. Write it down. I'll read it in the morning. And I look at it and go, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want to lose it. I love it. No. And and and, so, and something you do really well too is uh, since you know content strategy well and you help others with it, you also dissect other brands and you're always like observant to what's happening in the marketplace and the world. Like what's, what's one of your favorite brands or, or people that do content well on the internet great question um so i'll start with instagram because that's where originally i mm. made my name there's a guy called sun yi s-u-n dot y-i and he was in the carousel space oh, yeah. as me but his storytelling is incredible he's so talented at storytelling um then when it comes to like video creators i'm a big fan of youtube documentaries um that are created by really low budget things uh like recently i stumbled across a guy or a channel called all gas no breaks vice actually did a documentary on it i watched that and that's what kind of hooked me onto them this guy's so funny incredibly talented does really really well on youtube but the quality of his content is just hilarious it, it, it's so so high yet he himself says almost nothing he just interviews crazy people and lets crazy people be crazy and it's just a simple idea, but it works so amazingly well. I love that. I've literally never heard of him. I, I think I've seen his picture, though, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he, he's done some really famous videos. Mm. Um, there's a couple of clips I think went kind of viral from his, his show. But, yeah, it's really funny. Definitely check it out. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I think uh, something when you talk about YouTube documentaries, as I love documentaries, and I know we, we're letting stuff... Uh, sit in terms of ideas for ourselves with that but like yeah. i love uh this one by casey neistat he made about um the artist um the guitarist and the singer uh, i'm forgetting his name it starts with an s uh he's really famous but they did a really good one i'll link it below but it's one of the coolest documentaries i've seen because it shows the whole life 
of him from when he played guitar and put his videos on YouTube mm -hmm. and like was just in his room to like now being like a national icon. Um, he recently partnered with Chipotle to do uh, the reward system. Begins with S. I, I, I don't it's, it. Oh my, how am I blanking? He's like one of the best guitarists. It'll come to me. Is he, is he from the States or from the UK? No, nah, he, he's from the States, I believe. Um, yes. Really don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this because uh <laughs> Casey Neistat. Dude, that Casey Neistat is god tier of YouTube. The guy is certified goat of YouTube. Like the yeah. quality of his content for well, so I, long I, has been incredible. Yeah, one thing I've seen with storytelling, and then I can if it resurfaces the person I'll I'll point on it. But uh Casey Neistat, I wanted to get into storytelling with you because you do it really well, like in terms of your copy or the way you catch people's attention. One thing I've gotten from storytelling that I think you've heard of before that I, I said is tension and releasing of tension is, is really the thing of storytelling. But for you, like, what do you focus on when you're writing or like really trying to make like a, a flowy um, piece of content? So it like tells a really nice story. So when I make stories, I'm, I'm going to speak in terms of caption writing and carousels because that is the two things that I'm best at for storytelling. But this can be applied to other things as well. I see a story as a breadcrumb trail. Um, you've got to start with the biggest breadcrumb, which is the hook, which is the title, which is to get people in. Because without that, no one's going to take notice. You're leaving this tiny little breadcrumb that barely says anything about the post, barely says anything about the topic, and it's really, really generic. Are they going to stop up and eat it? No, then they're not. They're just going to keep walking. So you got this breadcrumb trail and you sort of feed them into it. You can't just dive in with your story. Okay. You've got to hook their curiosity and sort of reel them in a little bit like fishing. Like I speak in the sense of a caption. I've got a really good hook. That's my title essentially for my post, the opening line. Those next two or three sentences are going to be short. They're going to be really easy to consume. But once you've got them reading two or three sentences, it's much easier to convince them to read the fourth and then the fifth and then the sixth. If you try and hit them with the first sentence, that's hard. You're then asking them to go through and read the rest of your story. And you can't tell a story in just like three words. Well, you can, but it's not, I don't class it as much of a story. So when it comes to storytelling, I like to lay things out piece by piece and slowly work my way through. Um, it's all about bring, stringing them along, bringing them along, um, leading them to the point you actually want to make, the value you want to give, the topic you want to discuss, which is obviously going to be further down in the story. But for me, the key really lies in the introduction, how you how you build up and how you lead. And I guess you could call that controlling tension, like you said. Um, but I don't know. I don't really tend to write stories that are that much tension-based. Yeah, I, I like that, though, because you are trying to not be clickbaity, but you want to get, like, the best up front. I never heard of it like that, though, to kind of, like, stone by stone and then kind of have it be in bigger chunks. Because I, now that I think about it, is like, if you put four or five sentences in the beginning as gripping as it can be, it's still like when people see five sentences, it's like, oh, that's a lot to consume, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I, I've talked about this before on a couple of lives and I really think more people need to know about this, but to get eyes on your content, to actually get people to watch what you create, you have to consider the ask. And the ask is the first impression and the decision that the reader or the consumer makes on whether they actually want to consume your content. Mm. So for YouTube, the ask is the thumbnail and the title and the length of the video. If you're banging out a 45 minute video, even if it's got an incredible title and incredible thumbnail, 
it's going to be so much harder to get people to watch than if you made, I don't know, eight minutes or five minutes. Same goes for posts on, on Twitter or on Instagram. You, the tweets that go viral are typically like less than 10 words. They get millions of likes. It's like one sentence. You very rarely see a thread bang like hundreds of thousands of likes. Yeah. Nobody can be asked to read that. We see so much content. We become so selective in what we consume. So you have to make your ask lower to even get them in. Yeah, uh, you you have you have those uh, tweets on on your feed where it's like one line. They have like five hundred thousand likes, just as random person. And then below, you see them like tag a bunch of ads or like oh, trying yeah, to yeah. plug something. But <laughs> there's every so often they have those. Them ads, man. I just bought this moon lamp and it's amazing. It's only <laughs> just so happened to be. I just bought it. I uh, dude, I, I I just. I just found the person's name, Sean Mendez. <clears throat> Sean Mendez, I, I do know that. I've actually I, seen him live, weirdly enough. Oh wow! So there's a, there's a festival that's held here in the in the UK called uh, Big Weekend, which is put on by like the main country's radio, and tickets are free if you're within a certain postcode, like or a zip code. And it came to my zip code, so I got free tickets. So I just went, and he was like one of the early acts in the day or something. Mm. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's tremendous. But like the the video, and I like I said, I will link it below. It's just such such good storytelling. Like I love when people use old clips and just like show the documentation of things. And I, something you always talk about too is like the power of documentation on social and on the internet is really crucial. It's kind of that build in public men- mentality, but also just like you only get better if people know what you're up to. You know, you mm-hmm. get that feedback as well, which is really really crucial. Yeah, and that's that's a bit of big influence i think social media has had particularly on entrepreneurs in this world previously if you were an entrepreneur you had to go and ask somebody for feedback or you had to just learn from the rejection of actually speaking to someone but now you have social media you can just type in like what do you guys think of this and you can get probably three or four responses at least with some quality feedback on your brand mm-hmm. that's that's unmatched compared to what we had like 20 years ago i'm speaking like i was there i was born in 2000 <laughs> <but>. <laughs> yeah exactly and, and I would love for you to speak on, uh, so some people know, because when I talk about like best young content strategists or strategist, strategists in general, especially for Gen Z, and I would even say overall, it's like, I always think about you because you know what you're doing mm-hmm. and you have clarity with what you're doing. So like, where are you at with uh, your services with your company and like, where are you hoping to go? I know you posted at one point, but I would, I'd just love for you to verbalize it here. Um. So it's going really well. After Christmas, we've had, uh, well, right before Christmas, we sealed our biggest ever client. We closed another one in January, and we've got like um, two really hot and really big clients, hot leads, big clients coming in February that are looking very promising. Um, I think by end of March, we'll have hit our first 10K month, which is amazing. Mm. Um, wow. But then the, and the team's just getting bigger. For, for me, it's... It's all about making it run efficiently without dipping the quality. Uh, I, I know for a fact I can run my team more cohesively, more efficiently. Um, I know I can make communication more sleek. <laughs> and I know I need to outsource. I, I, I'm hiring a virtual assistant actually soon because I'm doing too much shit. Uh, yeah, I, I saw you just have so much on your plate recently. It's like hard for you to get to everything. It's been crazy. It's been, the last couple of weeks has been unbelievably busy. So mm. it's time to... <laughs> actually put my hand in my pocket <laughs> <laughs> yeah but how do you get those those leads though is it just through content so it's through content and um dms so i actually have a group 
that work with me on engagement and uh, lead generation. Um, so their role is to DM people who don't follow me um, and just open conversations. I don't ask them to pitch. I don't bother with cold DMing. I don't think it works that well. Um, and then I just organize them through my inbox of who I think is a good lead, who isn't a good lead and follow up on those throughout. Um, but from my end, which is all about people who do follow me, um, I check through people who watch my stories, people I've had conversations with before, people who follow me. Um, and typically when people follow me, I'll do a check and if they look like a bit of a, uh, I won't say dead account, but they're probably not going to be that interested in my services. I just let it slide. But if I see someone who's got like founder or owner or, or head or chief or something in their bio, then instantly open a conversation because the power they will have in the company they're in is probably going to be quite strong. And you don't have to sell. You can just talk to them as a normal human being for like, I don't know, I talked to a guy for like a month just being his friend. And then on like the sixth week of talking to him, not really trying to push it, he said so he, he said he had a problem with something. I said I could solve it. And we worked together. And it kind of just mm. escalated like that. In those six weeks of talking to him, was all built up into about a three minute period. And then he was on. That's amazing. Uh, I love, is, is I, way, yeah. yeah, I love that. And something, another value point in Clubhouse that you mentioned was the value of audio messaging and doing stuff differently when DMing. Mm -hmm. But still, like, it's so nice to know that, like, you, you do this, you focus on relationships, not sales, salesy mm -hmm. stuff. And then without the expectation of actually having them do something for you, just the more you give, uh, the more you can get back. And when, when it rains, it pours, you know, that'd be, that'd be a, a good theme with this, but uh, it's just like, keep going and good stuff will come. Yeah. It's, it's like anything, isn't it? Repetition does actually lead to, you know, fruition, providing you constantly look at what you do and improve on what you do. And there's a fine line between repetition equaling success and repetition equaling sanity just doing the same thing over and over again mm. not seeing any success wondering why nothing's changing um i don't know i think self-awareness and having the ability to self-evaluate is so incredibly important not just in content in in business particularly in professional life knowing how you can improve who you are um and honestly i just wish people had had more of it or there was an easier way to learn about it because you know it's so difficult and it takes people years yeah exactly I the common thread amongst many is in this guest's podcast or whenever I talk to people is the self-awareness thing, but there's not many things besides meditation or writing or even just straight action that you can do to learn from it. But um, I think the, the last one for sure. But you uh, meditate? You meditate? I, I do. I do every, every morning and uh, every night. It's not as long as I want to right now, but it's such a settling thing. Like it's just at this point, it's just like second nature. Cause I've practiced it for so long and actually yoga kind of led me into meditation and then meditation's kind of mm -hmm. been more potent and, and uh, more of a continual practice than yoga itself at this point, just cause it's nice. You just, you don't need any resources. You just sit somewhere. <laughs> exactly. <you> <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. I, I think I probably first discovered it maybe two years ago, almost is the first year of uni. And I've meditated basically every single night for like the last two years. Um, and, recently, and when you meditate, do, do you have an intention or you just go into it? So I don't know. The sleeping is kind of different. And the meditation is kind of supposed to put you to sleep. But it gives you like, I don't know, 
depending on how fast you fall asleep, for me, it's quite quickly. I get maybe 10 minutes of like really deep thought that often I find clears my head to the next day. But recently, like over the last few months, I've been trying to incorporate a, a daytime meditation into my routine. Um, I used to try and do it in the morning, but I figured, I don't know, that, that's just not really me. For, I actually kind of prefer lunchtime, maybe like 1 p.m. Um, and just five, 10 minutes is all it is. It's just, it's nice to sit there not have a screen, not have a sound, and just, I don't know. It's like you time. It's so relaxing and very, very clearing as well. Yeah, well, for you, who are, you're going to have higher, higher in output, and like you have to be more and more productive because you're having more and more things to do and more and more people to manage. You really have to be in your A game. Mm. So for you, is it? I would love to know how you manage, your, manage yourself because uh, I know you said meditation – midday and then evening but is there any other things that kind of ground you when uh chaos ensues uh, or fires always erupt every day chaos never ensues chaos is just always present yeah ex- exactly exactly and <laughs> <laughs> make order out of it oh uh, yeah i mean uh, uh, that's stuff we should be aiming for 100 percent um but to organize myself um i don't know for me I, I i swear by my whiteboard behind me and you see that there i swear by that thing um the feeling of ticking off that's because i like to write down even the most minute task that we'll write down on the whiteboard because it's such a good feeling ticking it off or wiping it clear knowing you've done that um so for managing myself that kind of how i manage professional tasks is keeping that motivation by ticking off every small task like okay yes that's a win i've done that that's an accomplishment that's done all the way um when it comes to like a personal work-life balance um i typically try to stop responding to dms as quickly and emails after like 7 8 p.m really because you've got to have some time to kind of like relax um but that's actually i've actually been reversing that recently with all my clients being in the states it's been more i have easy mornings i sit i read a book i drink some coffee my client work doesn't start until like lunchtime here in the uk because nobody's awake (laughs) so I don't know. My work-life balance isn't typically how normal people is who are like the nine to five or like even like the nine to seven and then three. It's kind of like three in the morning a bit, which is time for like creative thinking and then work until late and then like two, three hours at the end. Um, but it's a nice balance. I, I, I quite like the break. That's, that's actually like a nice constraint that you have being in uh, a different time zone because the mornings you can just learn or read or do whatever you want. I think mm-hmm. that's like such a such a good way to live is like a block in the morning of just doing what you want before you actually get going. Mm-hmm. Plus, amazing. you don't have to wake up at seven a.m., which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't, I don't know but, about you. Are you are you like an early worker, or are you more of a nighttime worker? Or? Yeah, I'm more of a I'm more of a discipline early morning with some fluidity, but then after that, just free flowing. Uh, mornings are really optimal and then in the afternoons it's creative mm-hmm. and then in the evenings like you've kind of done or maybe you're tailing off and doing but having a constraint of go to stop working at eight or seven um, I cannot if I do work past like nine or ten I'm just going to keep going and then that routine built itself and then mm-hmm. I break the two-day rule and then I, I burn out and not just burn out but just like I get exhausted and I just need an hour or two before bed to not do anything mm-hmm. um, I just think it's it helps for my sanity. So mostly discipline, but uh, for creative stuff, especially on my realm of things, like 
the more I schedule them, the less things work. So I need to have an open schedule sometimes because it's a lot of editing. And right now it's a balance between managing and making. So mm. um, I'm working on delegating and bringing people on to do so, so I can focus more on what I need and what I want to. But right now it's a balance of the both. So mm. things change here and there. Well, uh, that's good. Change, change is good. And it keeps things interesting. You don't want it to get stale. Um, I have two questions based on what you just said. One, what is the two day rule? I've never heard of that. <laughs> and two, what do you do before bed to like relax? I'm guessing mm. it's like no phones and it's maybe read or meditate or something. So the two day rule is Jerry Seinfeld's um, little practice he came up with where he says, stick to say writing, stick to writing every single day and check the box. Uh, if you don't check it one day, it's okay. Get back to it the next. But if there's a day and then you miss the next and there's a, a, a two day uh, unlinkage you can call in your mm -hmm. practice, that's when things fall apart um, and then right. it can build thereafter. But he's found just like, it's kind of like a, a to-do manifesto type thing, but a checklist type thing of just don't miss two days. Don't make mm -hmm. it a habit. Yeah. Yeah. And then before bed, I, I do a lot of stretching. I, I think that really helps like alleviate if there's any stress and just go to bed even better and sleep well. <clears throat> I take uh, magnesium before bed too, because it's like a, a sister or like a brother to melatonin, oh, um, which is very effective. And then <clears throat> I'll meditate. I'll do some type of prayer Maybe I'll read. And then I just review my day and then look at what, what's happening the next. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not, it used to be really long. Now it's just uh, an hour to 30 minutes. One thing that's very effective too, though, now is I only eat like once per day, sometimes twice. Mm -hmm. But uh, this kind of OMAD diet allows me to like do all my work during the day. And then that three hour break before bed, like stopping work at seven, I'll eat, I'll rest, I'll do my evening routine. It's just so nice. It's just like, because hmm. that's when I'm like tired after eating and like, it's just, it's just perfect match for me right now. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't eat a great deal. I don't think I adhere to any strict diet. If you see why I eat Christ, no, it's not a diet, but um the the timing can vary like, like for breakfast i don't really eat anything i'll just drink like a lot of coffee and some orange juice and then i'm good till like lunchtime um but then i, I guess i do only eat twice a day then i would eat like lunch and then i don't know like late evening uh but i snack way too much <laughs> maybe a commonality amongst uh productive people is just they, they see meals as important but sometimes they can get in the way and you want to make sure you can like work without being interrupted like i just try to do that i try to get mm -hmm. everything that interrupts me out of the way any distractions any like organizational type things because then i can just create and just like ideate and stuff because like i said that mm -hmm. is a large focus for me 100 I, I need to get better at removing um my phone as a distraction granted my job is based around social media and the content I yeah can, i was gonna i, I, I would love to ask that because uh how do you balance that with like not very well, to be honest. <laughs> Not very, I could be a lot better. Um, some days are good. Some days I'll, I'll be looking through and I'll note down cool pieces of content. I'll like, okay, look at that later. And some days I'm just like, yeah, yeah, let's go, let's go check my Instagram DMs. And then I'll finish like my Instagram DMs and I'll, I'll reply to like an eight message or something. And I'm like, that, that, that was okay. That, that's done. Task, task done. Let me just check Twitter real quick. And then, like, 20 minutes later, I'm like, fuck it. I wonder how Clubhouse is doing. And then an hour goes past. And I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, I've been yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, 
the thing is you can always argue it as saying oh this is this is research for my job this is this is just improving my skills truth be told not mechanism it's just been wasting time i could be doing so much better stuff with this but um yeah i i want to get one of those have you seen those little cages that you can plug your phone in and like lock so no like, i've never never heard like, of that i don't know how big it would be it's like a little cage probably about like that big um and like you put your phone in and you type in a time and then it will just automatically unlock when that time hits. That's incredible. Like wow. I'm, I'm really debating getting one because I think it will be really helpful. <laughs> That's great. I, uh, maybe <laughs> if I find it, I'll, I'll link it below too. I have it be like an accessory that we talked about for this episode. That's, that's amazing <laughs> to see it, it got to the point with certain, with certain things like that. Cause you need constraints, like you need the boundaries. It's important, but, um, yeah, it's it, you can also say you're just really dedicated to your job, like you're dedicated to your work in a way. <laughs> you're that's, just that's, that's an excuse, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, you're self-aware enough to know exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but something something I'd love to ask too uh, would would be like, what's a bigger dream you have for like things you want to accomplish or like where you see yourself going? And I know you don't have many expectations, but I I do know you are uh, ambitious ambitious in some senses. So so what is that for you? So I'm fascinated with the startup world, um, level of innovation, the speed of which things move, how dynamic and creative new businesses are compared to the rigid ones we've seen for decades. I, I'm fascinated by it. So I would love to be in the um, like early stage VC world or the startup world in some way or another. Um, that's kind of like working like aims, but personal aims, I'm also a huge fan of philanthropy. Um, I want to start my own charity one day. I want to start my own foundation. Um, the the thing behind this is I had an amazing start in life. I had two super supportive parents. We were never rich by any means, but we were never broke. My family's very, very good at managing finances. Um, and I had just support everywhere. I had these amazing opportunities and it sort of led me to where I am today. And at about 20, I sort of realized that, oh shit, not everybody gets that. And that's something I really want to change out. Starting with the UK, but I would want to go to other places that are so like first world and developed, yet there are still millions of people that don't get the opportunities they should have in a country that developed. That's where I want to start helping. That's where I want to start giving them a platform and a boost and support. Um, but I don't know. That, that's a long way off yet, but that's kind of like the big picture. I love that. Yeah, it's kind of like, helping helping yourself in a similar or kind of similar situation in which you grew up in but not but not necessarily i love that i see your how active you are on twitter too if there's one place because i usually say like where should people follow you um mm -hmm. i'll just say it myself that like twitter and instagram are definitely uh good spots and it's cool to see. it's it's just amazing what twitter can do like we literally met on there and like I know you were still trying to find your identity with using Twitter, but now it's like so concrete. And just now that I've seen your Instagram, ex what? You think that Twitter's concrete? Really? I, I think in terms of like what you want to do, like your idea with it, it is. But obviously in terms of growth, you still have a long way to go. And yeah. likewise for myself. But like you've, you've definitely like established, because I know for a while before you even like set your identity, you were like unsure. And I think I messaged you about this or we talked about this, but now, you know, it's catered to like content strategy or mm -hmm. 
or something with tech or just like startups or or gen z catered things mm. um yeah but it's more set for yourself i think that, that's transpired from me really understanding my brand a lot better in the last particularly month i spent a good deal of time over christmas actually learning about my brand about what i want to take exactly with. well you're able, you're able to help people more with your client base because you can do it yourself for your for yourself better 100 if you can't do it for yourself why are you offering it to clients yeah yeah you've got to have proof of your own ability right like and, and that's exactly. that's why whenever i work with clients i never promise them right we can hit x amount of followers i can i can get you ten thousand followers i don't promise that because that's not what i judge the success of my work on you know if anybody can get followers i judge the success of my work on building quality content that speaks about your brand and leads you in the right direction builds an incredible social media base for you and helps to build a community now, community is so different to followers, um, but I don't know. When, when, when people come to me and say, okay, look, I want followers, I'm like, cool. First step, stop thinking about followers. Second step, how well do you know your brand? And they go, oh, well, I'm in marketing. It's like, all right, cool. Um, what voice do you have online? Like, oh, I don't know. I just message other marketers. And you're like, right, okay. Scrap the whole thing about getting followers. You don't know shit about your brand. You don't know anything about your business. You're, you're neglecting the foundation of everything. So when it all comes crashing down in six months, you can't look anywhere else and blame anybody else. You've got to go, okay, right, I skipped those steps and it's my own fault. Having no mission, having no vision, having no offer, no hook, nothing. And just going followers, I don't know, clout, a couple of quick sales, low ticket offers, let's build a course, fuck it, I'm going to change the world with my sales course, you know? It's been done and there's no strong core or infrastructure to your business which is why whenever i work with people if when i ask them how well do they understand their brand if they cannot give me a good answer i will not work with them it just makes no sense yeah it saves you time and also makes sure they're going in the right direction i love that i think that's like a beautiful place to to cap off things if if you don't have anything else to mention but there's a lot of gold in that no thank you thank you appreciate that Yeah. yeah but i appreciate you coming on this was uh good talks as always but this time it just so happened to be recording <laughs> I, know, I know i know one of many i'm sure i'll be i'm happy many. to come back i enjoy this yeah for sure i'll uh, i'll be talking to you appreciate it